start this by saying hello to everyone who might be listening to the podcast. Uh, this is the, our uh, second podcast and uh, today we're going to be looking at a 1981 uh, animated science fiction film Heavy Metal which is a Canadian film. It's actually based on a... Oh is it? Yeah it's based on a sort oh, okay. of comic magazine uh, thing that came it used to come out called Heavy Metal which was uh, quite big at the time but you know there you go. Um, so it's an anthology film, which is six stories and a writing thing. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm going to start off. I'm just going to read. I've got to read the beginning. What the the, the speech at the beginning of the film is is brilliant. Right at the beginning of it, it's, uh, it's very deep and ponderous. A shadow shall fall over the universe, and evil shall grow in its path, and death will come from the skies. Which sounds yeah. a lot more ominous than the film is, I think, to be honest. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, I would say that's the most ominous part of the film. <laughs> One of the interesting things I, th- I found was that um, I didn't realise it. I looked some of it up uh, after looking, watching the film, taking note of people who were in it. One of the producers is a guy called uh, Evan Reitman. And he was the guy who produced the first two Ghostbusters films, as well as, as, well as a lot of other films up there. Huh? The original guys. Yeah, the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, he went out for the voices, world, didn't he? <laughs> the voices in it. Uh, you got John Candy, who was yeah. in Spaceballs and Cool Runnings and loads of other films. Yeah. Um, Eugene Leve- Levy, Levy, who was the father in all the American Pie films. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. Harold Ramis, who played the sort of actual scientist guy, the sensible guy in the, for the original Ghostbusters films. Yeah, and a guy called Zal Yanofsky, who was actually the singer and lead guitarist with the '60s band called The Loving Spoonful, who had a massive international hit with a track called "Summer in the City." <laughs> okay, that, that the other three I could sort of understand. Obviously, they went on to do more science fiction films. Yeah, and stuff. but that okay, that's that's a shock. I, I see. Um, I didn't look up who was in the. Actually, no, you play, I'd seen some of the people, and I thought oh, I'm not, I was more shocked about the soundtrack. Really, the different. Well, the interesting thing is, um, it's one of the stories is written by a guy called Dan O'Bannon. Now, I don't know about anything about the other authors, but Dan O'Bannon is a science fiction author in his own right. But he yeah. also wrote um, a few episodes of uh, Star Trek. Yes, I have. I have put that down. Do you know? There, I noticed there was one. I think if it's the one I think of. That there is actually, I think it's about sort of almost than fifty minutes into the film. Right. There is is his film, and there is a very very obvious part that he's part of it because there's the there's part of it as they go through this little space journey, 
and one of the ships they pass is actually the Starship, the Starship, the Starship Enterprise. Yes, because I have the registration number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. Look, I I was trying to work out why it was so. It seemed so disjointed uh, mm. in in the style because the animation yeah. style. I found out that it's because the animation was done by a variety of different studios. They worked on different bits. <laughs> so it's, that must have taken them a lot longer than to do it that way instead of... I don't know. It's weird. Okay. It's sort of like, it does uh, make sense why, there's, why there is a very different animation style. Yeah. To the different, yeah, yeah. Like, the different way that they, they seem on screen. It's very obvious. It's, it's still quite obvious all the different styles that it's of that sort of 1980s genre. But yeah. a lot of them are different techniques or different styles, even different atmosphere, like to the whole different way they've done certain things and way they've, like the textures of certain things have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, been yeah. very obvious. It was very obvious. But, um, okay. Initial, initial thoughts, like we did last time, straight off, <laughs> I think, watch the film. Your initial thoughts on what you think about the film? Well, see, I watched, I watched this with my wife, and I, I sat there and I was just like, "Yeah." And the only phrase that both of us agreed on was, "Was it was definitely something." Fair enough. No, that's fair enough. I, I, it, it was a bit hard to sort of go, "Yeah," but it was it's definitely something. <laughs> I, I must admit that, I mean, my only real thought about it on the whole, by the time it got to the end, was, well, that's an hour and a half, I'm not going to get back. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, I, I, I said, um, I watched it, obviously, and I sat there and thought, oh, sweet, it's only about five minutes into the film. Yeah. Oh, because it's sort of the way it seemed. And then I looked at the time and I'm like, oh, no, this is actually almost finished. Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't it's just, seem as long as it is. No. But it, it's just, uh, for it's, me, there's just not enough to it. No, it, it is, unless you're paying the full attention as well, it is very hard to tell the, the main, obviously there is a storyline between them all, there yeah. is a connection, but unless you're proper paying full-on attention, it is very hard to go, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah like, there are a lot of films that sort of, especially at that time, you sit there and go, Oh yeah, okay. I mean, I know that's the running of the film, but that one I was like, that, and it's only right at the end I went, I know that part's been part of the other different story. Oh, okay, yeah. now it makes sense. <laughs> it is a problem when you've got anthology stories to try and link them all together when they're all different stories. But yeah, some of it was a bit just a bit too. If we started off with the very beginning part, I was a bit kind of like because I mean, I mean, the type of animation I used on that was a lot of it was called uh, it's called rotoscoping, where you take yeah. an actual picture of an actual sort of thing and then you draw around it. But yeah. I didn't get was that it, it's like the space shuttle, like we use now the landing craft or the actual stop, space shuttle. The space shuttle itself stops out in the atmosphere, which the space shuttle is supposed to land on Earth, which doesn't make sense. And then they drop a convertible sports car into space with a spaceman in it and he drives it down onto the planet which yeah. i'm assuming is earth yeah the bit i did like and obviously it is more noticeable for the fact that i do watch a lot of animation stuff a lot of anime now but it's the whole bit of it was very obvious when he was driving the car which sounds so weird driving the, the car through the atmosphere but it was getting burnt up it was yeah. very obvious it was on the animation but then when it landed it was immaculate yeah, there was no damage. There was no school. Even if they'd done like a little school mark on it, but it wasn't. And 
it's just the fact that he just got out and walked off. And I was like, um, what? Yeah. <laughs> and do you think... Yeah, there were... I I just like where it was called. It was just called soft landing, though. Yeah. Or gentle landing, sorry. He he goes in the house and he's got this case with him, which has got this orb thing. What what they call it? The Loch Nar, which is the the thing that connects all the stories. And he he gets it out and it kills him. How did he get it in there? (laughs) How did he get it in the first place without it killing him then? Yeah, because it's it's in a it's in like this sort of um, for anyone that hasn't seen the film, it's sort of in this sort of um, almost environmental tube. Yeah, that would have to be like you see in a lot of other films, where people have to put them in and or connect it. And yeah, it's it's never really explained the fact that there's certain people that can touch it, yeah. and there's ones that do, and then melt. And it's just like, but yeah, I've got me that bit was that bit I did when he when he get killed him and the way that he killed him oh yeah I thought was very I think, yeah. very well done I think almost all the, the deaths in it as far as that sort of thing is concerned but the it's, animation was brilliant there's only there's a few deaths in it in the next the next part which is the um, uh, the guy oh. about <laughs> which confused <laughs> the life out of me as well the next part of the story where the guy is about the guy in New York yeah uh, Harry Canyon is the, 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 yeah. the taxi driver yeah which I thought was quite funny bearing in mind that it, all the other ships and everything else that was driving around were all hovercrafts or spacecrafts, but his was an, an old school American taxi. Yeah. Is it, I mean, did, it convert, but. <laughs> do, do you not, I don't know if it was just me, but did you not feel that there were a certain amount of similarities between that story and Fifth the Element? Fifth element? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it was very. It was very on the mark, and but it's just even that is the, the whole the foot switch he had to kill people. It's just like, yeah. If it's my my only dance, my only pick with that was if it's strong enough to disintegrate a whole body. Why did it do no damage to the cab? Yep. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> my question would be, why didn't he use it when the bad guy Rudnick was sitting in the back of his cab? Yeah, there is that. <laughs> He's sitting in the back of his cab, threatening him. And he didn't use the thing he's got to kill people sitting in the back of his cab threatening him, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just love the fact that this the first one. It's like in the first guy, obviously he hits it and kills it. It just it puts. Don't be wrong. I get the fact that if you're that sort of time period is meant to be sort of oh yeah, it happens in everyday occurrence and yeah. you don't just switch it off. But it's just the fact he opens the glove compartment, throws a bo- the gun in that this the first guy he killed dropped. Yeah, and it just shut out. But if you look at the gun compartment or the glove box, sorry. There's at least sort of six to seven other items in there, including a hand grenade. Yep. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't really know a lot about trying to threaten people for cab like for money or trying to try sort of threaten a cab for but who would do it with a hand grenade? Yeah, it's a good point. Why, for start, it's, why would you it's use not a hand grenade? Of threatening someone. <laughs> it was it was very corny that bit that whole section though, it was really cool. It was like watching an old nineteen forties black and white detective film, you know. <laughs> yeah, with the with the voiceover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was the bit that Dad did make me laugh. I had to stop stop it and actually go back because I did miss part of the film when I when I was laughing because it was just a she crept into my crept into my cab and I was like, oh mate, started laughing. I was like, no, I've got to pause it. I've got to go back because he's carried on talking and I've missed it. It's also the the fact that it's kind of the end of it was really kind of like of you know she handed the orb over to this bad guy, took the money and they drove off. And that was it. Yeah, and then the orb killed the bad guy and it was like, what was I here then? Okay. 
it's the bit yeah. I just don't understand. I was just like, well, hang on. But there was a lot, I've got to admit, even though, as, a, as you did point out to me when you said to me about watching this film, is it's not a, it's not a family-friendly animation. No, it's not a child's animation. Far from your imagination. Yeah, it's from, <laughs> before I was there, it was one of the things I did think, obviously, I got told about this, and I went, oh, I'll watch it. And then the next message I got was, it's not a family-friendly animation. It's, that's not a far stretch of the imagination either. There's a lot yeah. of lot of stuff that it is definitely shows of the time period of the whole yes. sort of getting away with a lot more stuff than they could do now. It's a very adult film in the way because elements of death and sex. And sort of even that though, the fact that I don't know whether or not it's the the rating that because oh, obviously we watched it. I watched it. It was on Netflix. I don't yeah. know whether or not it was the rating that they've given it, or whether or not it was the rating that it has in general, which was the fifteen. Now, for me, I don't know. I didn't look up that. I didn't look no. up what the original rating was. In yeah, it's, it's rated at a fifteen on Netflix. I don't know whether or not that's their rating, or yeah, if it was probably. just in general. I don't know. But that seems like a very in eighty one. The ratings were different in the cinemas to what they are now, anyway. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. So obviously, if anyone else is then watching it, goes, "Oh, it's a fifteen. I know. I can watch this with." Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. No. <laughs> there's there's a lot of there's a lot of bits that didn't make sense to me as well. There's one of the um, the whole. Um, alien attacks scene and the guy from it looks like he goes into sort of UN building. Yeah. Um, well, let's go yeah, through in 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 order. The, the yeah. I was Ben, which is the one where the, the little nerdy guy turns into the for some reason no it turns no, into turns into the huge muscular bald-headed bloke on a completely different planet. Yeah, he, I'll commit my my thing with that is the fact that again, this is sort of a story. It's sort of a running theme for a lot of them. But doesn't seem that bothered the fact that he's fifth. Oh, he's what sixteen, seventeen. Something, yeah. And it, they get transported or teleported some way and transformed into this person and doesn't seem phased. No, it doesn't seem overly bothered. But not even. I'm, I'm obviously I can't speak for everyone, but if that <laughs> happened to me, I'd be a little bit. What the hell's going on? Like, yeah. A little bit. I I need to take a moment. Not. Oh look, there's a bright light. Let's run over to it. <laughs> It's, it was I mean, that and the, the bit as well, the only bit that made me laugh is the fact that Transform didn't care once about what he looked like, just more worried about the fact he was bald. Yeah. It's the fact he goes, oh, I'm bald. Not the fact that he's now sort of two foot taller and muscly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> it's just, it, it was really, the whole thing was very surreal. And it was, yeah. it was just a bit non there wasn't really much of a real story as such no it just was like he was transformed into this muscular bloke who fought with some people had some sex with some women and then decided well, to stay there and that was yeah, it see that's the bit that's it i've got to admit though the whole the whole sort of themes that obviously like i was saying about the last one had sort of the whole fifth element sort of yeah. genre this one i did sort of say, the whole transformation and the whole fighting pack just reminded me so much of he-man yeah <laughs> just yeah. I kept expecting him, especially when he was riding around on like the different, the different alien beings. Well, I kept expecting him to shout, "Hit!" Why I have the power? I think the thing about it is because of the style of animation it is, it's the stuff that we've kind of been used to watching from like eight years cartoons. There were a couple yeah. of bits in it where I actually thought he looked like Scooby Doo. <laughs> Especially the first part, right at the beginning, where they were going going into that old house that they lived in, in the middle of the cornfield. <laughs> haunted house from Scooby Doo. <laughs> it did seem to thinking about it now. It does seem like it was the start of the like, just here, like, here's Scooby in the background going, "Oh, it's a ghost." 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went on to the third one, which is Captain Stern, which was the one about the guy on trial. Yeah, that... That was... That confused the life out of me. But the thing, the thing about it is, it's, it's obviously... Although it's a Canadian film, it's very American-style humour. And to be honest, there was a lot yeah. of humour in that that I didn't think was very funny. <laughs> no. A bit like, oh. I mean, some of the animation was quite oh. good. Yeah, uh, the, the transformation between um, the guy, the, um, the witness for the prosecutors sort of come in and the transformation from him being this sort of weaselly little sort of guy yeah. to the big sort of psycho basically uh, yeah the hulk yeah the hulk and then the transformation back seemed very well done yeah they but i know there's a few few things i've seen before where it does seem very jolted but if obviously doing the animation it's oh this dump screens but it that seemed was, very smooth on that bit that was the only one though that was the only story where i noticed things like continuity errors there were bits where um there was a, a handle and thing on a door yeah. and then, uh, when he went in through the door, there was a handle on it. When the guy who had turned into the big, hulky, great muscle bloke comes along, the handle was missing. <laughs> yeah. He smashes the wall down, you know, and you kind of go, oh, <laughs> there were a couple of bits like that. I was sort of, it was a little bit bizarre. And just for me, being pedantic, there were a few bits where you kind of ignore the physics of the fact that you're in this space station, which has just sort of like had a great big lump of it disintegrate into itself. There should yeah, now there be was... a hole in, through which things are flying out at great speed. <laughs> yeah. <it was> sort <laughs> of, I get the fact that obviously it's meant to be in space, so there is a lot of people, the phys- uh, not the physics, but the whole um, pressure ratio could be different for whatever because it's meant to be an alien thing. Yeah, but yeah. even that, there is a big difference that if you're in a pressurized compartment in space and there's a hole, that pressure's got to go somewhere. Yeah, and it takes things with it, and it didn't. It sort of everyone was just sort of you almost like it's just sort of walked past as like it was just it, it been someone's imagination. Yeah, <laughs> very strange. <laughs> um, the end of that was quite good because of the fact that he drops him out of this uh, tube <laughs> thing, and he burns up on re-entering into this into the planet, and all that's left him is just the sort of like the burning hand holding yeah. on to the the lock nar. That, that was quite good. Yeah, I say, there, were, there were a few bits. It's the fact that it's sort of the whole it's the storyline for that part made me laugh because it's the, obviously the way you, the way it watches and the way it plays it seems like he's turned and he's twisted and he's going to go after the captain, the one that he's meant to be doing the witness for. Yeah. And then they get into this corridor, no one else around, and this, the captain goes, huh, yeah, thanks for that," and he just changes back, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, it was meant to be part of the okay." That yeah, he's getting away. So then we moved on to the B-17, which I actually quite liked, even though there wasn't a lot to it, which was the one about yeah. the, the, the bomber, World War II bomber. Yeah, that was, that was very weird. Yeah. Um, I, did, I did like the way it was done and the whole... I mean, I was trying to figure out whether or not the planes were in space or whether or not they were on a planet atmosphere or whatever. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I think... Because the last thing you see is you see that the orb entering the atmosphere with the burning yeah. hands. And for, to me, what's happened is that the hands burnt up and the orb is floating in the atmosphere and as Dean goes into the bomber. Okay. I think that's what's... Yeah, so we might have been Yeah, because that's the bit I couldn't figure out because obviously the, lot, the rest of the other stories were all based around different planets or in space and then that yeah, one, yeah. it didn't seem like it was that much of an explanation for it. 
No, no. But it, I, but I really it, like the it, way it was done. It was, it was a great little story on its own. Yeah. Um, there is actually, I, I was reading, when I was reading yes. about this, there is something that will explain possibly why you don't feel, why you, I can see why you wouldn't feel necessarily the connection. is because apparently there was supposed to be another section in the middle there that was called uh, Neverwhere Land. Okay. And it was cut out. And in that, it was supposed to, uh, it was, the orb was supposed to land on a planet and bring about the evolution of the creatures on the planet and everything. Oh, okay. So that was, but that was cut out, apparently. I have no idea why, but um, I don't know how that would have linked to the, no. the, the war one, but it, it kind of explains why they might, you, you might feel a little bit disconnected. Yeah, well, it was a sort of bit of a jump. Yeah. So then we move on to, from that to the fifth one, which is so beautiful and so dangerous, which is very, that's the one where you were saying about the guy going into. Oh like, yeah. The, the sort of MI, <laughs> sort of MI5 agent that walked into the, um, yeah. what looked like a UN building. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't quite get why <clears throat> you've got a secretary sitting at the table and she's wearing the orb around her neck. Yeah. Now, He's saying for a start. But he's saying there's no chance of there being any alien life anywhere else in the universe, whilst there's a ginormous great spaceship sitting above <laughs> yeah, the building. Yeah. It's not it's not like it was a small ship either. It was oh. one of the things that I wrote down. It's the fact it is it's the remarkability of it looking almost like Pac-Man as well. Yes. It yeah. was the it was the it was the Pac-Man head and I was like would have thought security people would have Raised yeah. an alarm or something. Yeah, Secu there's a massive Pac-Man head above us. We need to, I don't know, tell someone. <laughs> and then he, he sees this orb around the secretary's neck. He then jumps across the table and assaults her. Yeah, and no one's they, bothered. They both get sucked up into the spaceship. He turns out to be a robot. Is it and a robot or yeah? Yeah, and she then goes off with the robot who's in charge of the ship, and there's. Sex with you. Yeah, well, I did. I, get stoned. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the bit I like. I admit, there was a there was a lot of jokes that were meant to that are aimed at certain people, like the fact that the whole or one of the lines that the woman says is, oh, I don't think we could have a relationship. You're a robot," and the robot's line was, well, "From what I can gather, a lot of women have have good relationships with automated devices." Yes. And I was like, "Oh, that wasn't aimed at certain people, was it?" <laughs> As I say again. It was it was okay. Uh, I just I felt some of it was a bit odd. But just the, yeah. fact that the, the rest of the crew were stoners and they got get so wrecked that they crash land the spaceship on the on onto the space station. They're going <laughs> yeah. to it's, yeah. It's the fact that the space station is not small either compared to their ship. It is no. massive, and they still managed to put it into a wall. <laughs> Yeah, and that's but again, that's when they sort of they then go on this little trance, and you see as they fly around and things start exploding, the yes. starship bent and strike out. And I actually paused it and I did look, and I was like, that registration number looks familiar. And I sat yeah. there and I googled it. Oh no, it is the it is the registration yeah, number for the starship. You probably find that they they got a, a couple of clips of the Enterprise and just coloured the, the sky around it and stuff. The thing that gets me about about the whole thing about all of them is. To a certain extent, with a lot of them, there's not actually a great deal of storyline as no. such. And right, we got the last, the last, well, the nearly last bit, where you've got this, uh, <laughs> this Tana, 
when yeah. the, orb, it, the orb crashes into a volcano and turns these humans into mutants. See, yeah, see, that's the bit that confused me, is the fact that obviously when the few stories back when it lands on the plane, they tur- it turns them into sort of zombies. Yeah. But lands on a planet with the and turns them all into these almost Hulk-like mutants, sort of yeah. the whole green green skin tinge and yeah yeah oh, I no. just, and the fact that he actually mutates one of the guys what the leader he gets melted by or whatever this green goo is that comes out of the volcano and arises out with a helmet on yeah i i, I don't know where that came from it's a bit and the fact that he, when he when he gets melted his medallion that is part of their tribe emblem or whatever he, he's holding in his hand. Yeah. But when he arises, he's got this helmet on and it's around his neck. Well, you know, it's poetic license, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, okay. So, but they, they go off and they're going to attack the city. The city try to contact these warriors. What they've got, the Tarnakians. Yeah, the Tarnakians. In fact, there's, there's no real explanation of to who they are other than they're this warrior tribe. Yeah, there's no so reason. They it, it says they've, they've got a pact, but I don't see. There's never explained why. No, there's not very much explained at all about this. No, if she turns up too late, everyone's dead. <laughs> but <laughs> again, the whole when she gets given a sword as well, yeah. this whole weapon of her warrior. I she and I, I know this is because of the fact that I, again I I was I grew up watching a lot of He-Man and stuff like that. Which you did. I had the whole She-Ra thing in my head as well. Yes. No, I know what you mean there, yeah. Definitely. Just the whole, holding the sword and laughing. and I thought, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> so she decides to avenge the the city. Yeah. The people and all that sort of thing. And goes after them and kills the mutants and then destroys the orb. But she destroys herself at the same time. But then yeah. we get the end bit where the orb that's got the daughter of the spaceman going kind of captive and he's been he's yeah, been telling her, it's been telling her the stories telepathically or whatever yeah. it is destroyed as well in the same way at the same sort of time you see it being destroyed the same way the orb was yeah and then we find out that the the little girl is in fact tana because she turns into her at the end. But it's not really well explained. I don't know whether or not it was she turned into Tana or the fact that, because I was listening to it and it does say that she had the mark. Yeah. Like when they were talking about Tana the first time, because they were going, yeah. oh, none of them left. And I know oh, I've seen the mark. And when she, when the young girl then transforms into her, the mark then appears. Yeah. So I don't know whether or not it's the whole, there has to be one. So they find yeah. one to take over or whatever. But it, it's, yeah, it's not very it's, well explained. It's not explained at all. There's no, 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 I mean, I don't know, is she reincarnation of her? Is she? Yeah, is she, is, is it a time know. loop? Because of the fact that it always, yeah. it always seemed to be the fact there was a woman and this all but ran. It, it's always seemed to be there had to be one with the other. 
Yeah. I don't know whether or not it was because of that or because of the fact that it was a time loop or because of the fact that it's just that's the way the stories were or what. I think that's why when, by the end of it, I was kind of left feeling a bit kind of like, well... Yeah, that's one of the things I have to say. It's, it's, it's a very odd... End. I don't know, I've seen a lot of films that have ended in a very odd way. <laughs> yeah. But this, this one does... It's very up there with the whole way it ended. Now, we've got to address... <laughs> The, the one main point, which is the fact that, okay, bearing in mind this was made in 1981, and <laughs> yeah. that the uh, whole situation around women and the objectification of women and everything was different then and thought about differently then to the way it is now, it was incredibly sexist. <laughs> Yes, and it was incredibly sexist, incredibly sexual as well. Yes, it was. And it just kind of like was. Why all the women? Why did all the women who were involved in this lose their clothes quite often? And they were all very well endowed. Oh, was the last very big busts. Yeah, it was the one of the stories that um, I can't remember which one it was actually. The the one where the boy gets teleported. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The he turns up on this planet. And the first people he meet are this this racer who are led by this this a very attractive woman. Yeah. Who not being funny, if you're trying to be this empowering figure, especially for then and now, you would try and not lead yourself on to looking like you were there just being used. But the yeah. fact that she takes this cloak off and that's it, that's all she was wearing was this cloak and a skimpy bit of underwear. I know, yeah. And it's just like But it's why? it's also like one of the ones that got me was like the completely gratuitous bit, if you like, was when in the first one, in, in the, the one with the guy in the cab, yeah. when the guy gets in the back and he pulls the gun on him, he presses the button and the bloke disintegrates into nothing, right? Yeah. You get a brief glimpse of his, of his skeleton and that's about it, right? When a woman does it, the first thing that happens is her dress disappears. Yeah. Then her skin, then her skeleton. Yes. So for 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 about thirty seconds, she's sitting in the back of the cab, being zapped by this ray, with completely naked. And you go, "What was the? Why was there any need for that?" Yeah, there was. It was the thing that got, gets what? me. You, know, you got things like the last one, Tana. You got this empowered warrior woman who defeats everyone and destroys the all, who's wearing almost nothing. And yeah. Go, it... Why does she need to be naked? Yeah. To be honest, as I remember it at the time, um, the magazines that were out there, there was that one, there was 2000 AD, there were a couple of other science fiction comic stroke magazines out at the time. And they were very much aimed towards sort of like, well, 14 to 18 year old boys, effectively. And it it was very much a sort of like, you know, it was a, it was a, if you like, it was a way of them getting to see, you know, getting them, them getting to see semi-naked women without having to buy porn. Yeah. <laughs> was, you know, but it was just, a, it's just a bit kind of like now it's just a bit. Uh, I don't know. The thing is, for the for the type of film it is, what it's meant to be based around the music as well. It is very yeah, violent sex and rock and roll. Now, talking about the music. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes, it has it has got a very interesting, very good soundtrack. The soundtrack album is great. Yeah, um, um, see, I actually made a note of all the bands that are on the, on this thing. We've got Black Sabbath, Cheap Trick, Blue Oyster Cult, uh, Devon, Donald F- uh, Fagan, uh, 
Grand Funk Railway, Nazareth, Steve Hicks, Journey, Riggs, Trust, uh, Sammy Hagar, and Don Fielder as well. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's they're, it's a very strong listing of music. Oh yeah, but the, the thing, <coughs> to be honest with you, and I know the soundtrack album is very good, but the soundtrack on the film, I just got the feeling Didn't. that the, the the music was just so quiet you can hardly hear it. Yeah, so, I get the fact that obviously it's a way of boosting it out, so people go, oh, they're in it, they've they've got something. Let's go and watch the film. Yeah, but. For it to be like a couple of seconds long worth of the song or the track that they put in and then go, oh, yeah, this band's in it. Yeah, yeah. Not really. I mean, it was a very odd... The the thing that really freaked me out completely was when I was looking it up, and I honestly did not know this, but there was actually a sequel made in 2000 called Fantastically... They really put a lot of thought into this. The sequel is called... Heavy Metal 2000. <laughs> God's sake. Yeah. Okay. See, 19 year gap between them. It's obviously that it's, been, oh, again, a cult, it's meant to be a cult classic. So you, if there was a sequel, really, there should have been a. Well, it well, became, the thing is, it became a cult classic a long time after it came out. Because at the time it came out, I don't think many people were that bothered about it at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, on the whole, what would you say about the film? Um, on the whole, I would say it is a film worth, I wouldn't say worth watching, but it is one that possibly if you get the time to watch, to get around to say you have, is a good film to watch. Just, just, just for the pure experience to say yeah. you have watched it. Yeah, oh, I'll get that. If I, I think... had the choice of that or watching paint dry, I know <laughs> which one I would choose. <laughs> I must admit, on the whole, I think I'd rather watch um, a different film. <laughs> I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a film I'd want to sit through again. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, Scott, for yeah. join, joining me again. Uh, I hope sure. anybody who's listening has enjoyed themselves or whatever. If you want to go and watch the film, it's on Netflix now. Um, please don't let our our uh, <laughs> bad mouthing of the film put you off going to watch it if you really want to. Um, <laughs> you know, go and see what you can find in there. Um, yeah. Next one Definitely will be another scary. horror film. Um, and if we are under the same conditions as we are now with the coronavirus and having to do this via Zoom, then uh, we'll have to find something interesting on, on Netflix to watch uh, as a horror film. If not, then we may be able to get together and watch a DVD again. Um, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, thank yeah. you very much. See you later, That's everybody. Right. See you later. Bye. Bye. The Sci for the Film Podcast.